And that's mm-hmm. the place that we're in now where it's time to assume the mantle of responsibility, responsibility for our own health, responsibility for the leaders we have, responsibility for the corporations that we're paying, responsibility for the environment that we're either supporting or destroying. It's about just saying, it is my fault, all of it. I will take I will take my share of the blame. I will not push this off on somebody else. Mm-hmm. There is more work I can do. Yeah. And uh, and I will and I'll do that work and I'll continue doing that work for as, you know, as long as I live. Welcome to Living 4D with Paul Check. Today's guest is Aubrey Marcus, founder of Onnit, a lifestyle brand based on a holistic health philosophy he calls total health optimization. He is the host of the Aubrey Marcus podcast, a New York Times bestselling author, and the creator of the Fit for Service Fellowship. Hi, everybody. Very few people today need an introduction to Aubrey Marcus, founder of the Onnit Institute in Austin, Texas. Famous for his excellent Aubrey Marcus podcast and author of Own the Day, Own Your Life, and Master Your Mind, Master Your Life, 12 Steps to Master Stress, Anxiety, Depression, Addiction, Anger, Trauma, and Fear. Like most of us that have been engaged in the world for many years, our career path changes and we progressively find our true hearts calling at each successive phase of our lives unfolding. This process and the need of our current times as we navigate COVID and all the challenges the pandemic has brought to the world inspired Aubrey to start his unique Fit for Service mentorship program. Some of my students are also in Aubrey's Fit for Service program and have given me great feedback. And since I haven't had a chance to do a podcast with Aubrey in a while, and being in Austin for Sarah and Alex Ribchinsky's wedding, Aubrey and I spent some quality time together recording podcasts for each other's shows. In this deep, insightful podcast, Aubrey and I get deep into what it means to be fit for service today. Some of the key points of our dialogue are, what is fit for service? What are the mission, vision, and values of the Fit for Service Mentorship Program? We then explore Ken Wilber's Wake Up, Clean Up, Grow Up, and Show Up model as it applies to Fit for Service and how these concepts apply to all of us in the face of the changes in the world today, such as losing our freedom of speech, the sovereignty of our bodies, and our constitutional rights. I think there's a lot of gems being shared in this insightful podcast, and as usual, Aubrey really shows his depth, wisdom, and expresses his heart and what it means to be fit for service in the world today. There is something relevant to everyone in this podcast, particularly in light of the issues of the world today. Enjoy my deep, interesting, and fun conversation with Aubrey Marcus and learn what it means to be fit for service. Welcome to Living 4D with Paul Check today. I'm super excited. I'm in Austin, Texas at Onnit with my buddy, Aubrey Marcus. Welcome, Aubrey. Oh, man. It's always so good. It is. We had such an amazing podcast together yesterday for your show. If you're listening to this, you'll have to track it down. I don't know what he's going to title it yet, but uh, I'll announce it when he releases it because we got into some really good, deep conversation on lots of things. (laughs) And I learned a lesson yesterday, and the lesson is, is that during our intermissions, we need to be recording everything that we talk about during intermissions, because we had about a 10-minute digression into dragons that was not recorded, and I was like, damn it! Oh, yeah, that was good. But that's I, all right. We got many more of these to come. I love dragons. So, yeah, you know, um, I wanted to talk to you about your Fit for Service program um, I think that's a really cool concept, and and from what I understand from people giving me feedback, there's 
at least a handful of my students in your program because yep. I've had them come up to me. I'm in Aubrey's program. I really like it. So I thought, gee, that's cool. And I, of course, I heard about it, but, and I tell by the name, and I also know you well enough to know you're probably up to something like getting people ready to be fit for service. And there's a lot of need for that. So, you know, it's a topic that's dear to my heart as well. So I thought today we could just talk about what does that mean? Uh, what's your program about? And then I just wanted to dialogue with you on a, a few key concepts that I alluded to briefly yesterday that I think are really relevant to the issues we're going through. In fact, this morning, Angie said, oh, you're not going to believe it. California just announced that you're not allowed to celebrate Thanksgiving or Christmas. You're not allowed to sing. You're only allowed to be in small gatherings for two hours. And I'm like, what the hell? This is like so backwards. It's mind boggling that, you know, my progressive, beautiful state of California is now acting like you know, some prison state, you know, it's like weird. So, interesting times. Yeah, it is. It's very interesting. I mean, for us, it doesn't really matter because, you know, we got our own property and our own space and our, all the people in our neighborhood kind of, they're like, oh, this is just a bunch of bullshit. It's just business as usual. Mm. I just feel so far, sorry for all the people whose um, gullibility factor is high enough to ruin their holidays, you know. Yeah, I mean it's uh but what's this really ties in because the point of being fit for service is not just fit for service during the easy times, the comfortable right. times, those times where everything is just kind of going according to the normal plan that we're used to. Being fit for service means that you're ready for whatever turbulence might come your way yeah. and there's a <clears throat> lot of turbulence in the macro right now. So yeah. what does that fitness really mean? You know, yeah. it means that you have the physical strength to actually you know, deal with any challenges like yeah. we're having out there for yeah. any health challenges. I mean, if you look at actually any of the statistics, of course, like the healthiest people Aren't are not having, having any, any problems, no problems at all. So yeah. part of being fit is, of course, starting with the body, something that we're both, and we both wrote books. I think our mm -hmm. books are actually two of the few books that endeavored to really cover, you know, the basis of human optimization from a physical yeah. level own the day own your life my book mm -hmm. eat move and be healthy mm -hmm. your book i mean these are the the two that are like all right let's take a look at the human organism and see how to get this thing operating right and if you're following either one of those programs which have an immense amount of crossover then mm -hmm. you're not going to be afraid of this thing that's coming and so that's one aspect then the mental aspect you know how are you going to deal with the world when there's fear around you at all mm -hmm. different times and how are you going to deal with your own potential anger that's coming up that own sacred rage is it going to consume you is it mm -hmm. going to cause you to stay static and not be able to move are you going to freeze in the in the face of that resistance or are you mm -hmm. going to be able to stand up and then also receive the criticism when you become that voice of what is now the minority saying hey human beings we need to be more attracted to life and committed to life then we are afraid of death and then receive the arrows that come in criticism for for doing that you know mm -hmm. and and then of course spiritually as well which is also you know interposes and in, in, is the foundation for so many of these other things as well like can we get beyond our own fear of death can we see everyone else as us living a different life like mm -hmm. all of these are the pillars of being fit for service so when the world really needs us we're fucking ready yeah, which is every day because it needs us every day. It does. And and it feels like more so now than ever. It does, yeah. You know, it's um 
like I said in our podcast, you know, it's good that we're not having a world war where right. bombs are flying and body parts are everywhere and blood is everywhere. But the the beauty of it is is that we're having really a war of beliefs right now. And we're, as we've discussed, losing our constitutional rights, our freedom of speech, the sovereignty of our bodies and even our homes. And so there is sort of a silent um, <laughs> war, if you will, between freedom and, and limitation, really, right. you know. Um, so thanks for the intro on Fit for Service. If you had to kind of encapsulate what it is, how would you describe what Fit for Service is? You know, I think one of the biggest missing, there's a couple huge missing pieces. And really the biggest one, the overview of it is we're missing that sense of community, that sense of tribe. Yes. I mean, we're, we were always in tribes for the history of humanity. Mm. And, you know, a, a great anthropologist, Dunbar, he created what he, uh, the concept of Dunbar's number, which is that bands and groups of people gathered under about 150. And they could be part of a nation like the Navajo mm-hmm. Nation, but each individual tribe was about 150 people or less. Yeah. And that was the amount of people that you can really feel that kind of closeness and vulnerability and affinity mm-hmm. for just naturally working with the hardwiring of our operating system. And so what I wanted to do is create that in a modern context we're not going to all be able to live in the same valley or live in a commune Mm -hmm. like that so we all have to gather together but one of the defining factors of any tribe are rites of passage and initiations yes indeed transformational initiations that's another thing that's massively missing like what are the rites of passage that we have now everything that's out there is hollow or it's some kind of surrogate you can sure you can join the armed forces or join a gang or be in a sports team or Mm -hmm. and you will go through hardship together and form brotherhoods and sisterhoods and bonds but i really realized what the potential was the first time i did wachuma with uh, one of my mentors don howard out in uh, spirit quest sanctuary who's recently passed and, and transitioned his legacy to his daughter selva who's still running it out there but i went in and i brought about 10 people that i knew 10 people that i felt close with and there was about another 10 people who were absolute strangers and we went through a week three ceremonies three wachuma ceremonies wachuma masadas wachuma is that san pedro Pedro? yeah yeah and that's the it's the ancient tradition of san pedro before the church came in and called it san pedro for saint peter Mm -hmm. the one that guards heaven's gate Mm -hmm. right because the cactus kind of a paradox because it opens heaven's gate exactly exactly (laughs) so they changed it to san pedro but it's been a four thousand year old tradition that started in chavin and during that period in chavin where the Shavin culture was ruling they actually have no archaeological record of war for about 800 years and one of the reasons were that all of the ruling class of the Shavin people would offer wachuma as a sacramental ceremony to all the pilgrims who came in mm. so everybody who came through the area was bonding together in these massive wachuma ceremonies and wachuma unlike a lot of the other plant medicines is one of the most social medicines that there are like ayahuasca it's really you and the mat and god Mm -hmm. you know and your shadow and you're in a dance and then you can come out and you can talk about it to somebody else but you're not with them in it you're not sharing that energetic space you know putting your putting your hands on the same mesa on the same altar Mm -hmm. and looking each other in the eye and really feeling that after that i realized how close that we had all gotten through this initiation through Mm -hmm. this rite of passage this ancient shavin rite of passage and it started to come you know come to fruition in my mind that this is something that we really need we need to be able to have start with strangers mm-hmm. and then have some rites of passage and initiations that we can go through that 
form this sense of tribe, but then continue it on. Now, of course, we're here in the States and plant medicine is not an option. So I just lean on for the current fit for service program, all of the other initiatory rights that are fully legal and don't involve plant medicines. So we're mm-hmm. talking Temescal or Anipi sweat lodge ceremonies. We're talking shamanic breath work, mm-hmm. ecstatic dance, yeah. and then like deep uh, transformational kind of workshops where we're actually vulnerably sharing you know, some of the deepest things in our heart, receiving that, holding that in love and getting to really see and know each other. Mm-hmm. And man, the results of this process have far exceeded what I thought was even possible. I mean, people are coming together and forming truly lifelong friendships, myself included, mm. you know, because I'm going through all of these rituals with everybody as well. It's more of a, it's not a hierarchy, it's a round table. We're all you, together. How do you do it? Are you, are they meeting in certain places physically yep. or uh, web-based? Or how do, you, how do you coordinate with all this crazy COVID restrictions? Yeah, well, we have, a, we have a digital presence where people are in touch all the time. So there's different groups and workshops and breakouts and Zoom calls. I'm on calls and all our coaches are on calls. I'm, you know, Kyle Kingsbury, who's mm. a good friend of us. He's one of the coaches. Caitlin's another f- coach. Eric Godsey, uh, Vailana's another coach. And then we bring in other master coaches. And we're all always communicating and keeping in touch through digital means, through an app, a Slack channel, through a private Instagram. But the big, you know, the gem of it are the meetups. And, yeah. and these are, you know, five day experiences where Whoa. we pick a city and then we go there and we go through all the different rituals. So mm-hmm. we just gathered in Sedona and, you know, this is a, this is a time where I really trust and believe in the sovereignty of individuals to make their own choices. So mm-hmm. we did not stop during COVID. We just worked around the different policies. So, mm-hmm. um, you know, trying to abide by everything we could meeting outside and doing mm-hmm. whatever we needed to. To make this happen but i really believe that now more than ever we need to still gather and have community so mm-hmm. we haven't Very paused that so. at all and and i don't intend to pause that at all unless the draconian restrictions absolutely forbid it but we're always going to try and find a workaround because yeah. i believe that this is essential so anyways we gather for five days day one was an ecstatic dance where porangi was playing music mm. and we were actually communing with the mountain and the sunset and the stars and like and dancing together Day two were some incredible workshops about uh, divine masculine and feminine archetypes, which went unbelievably deep. We had uh, some guest coaches, Christine Hassler, um, <clears throat> Stefanos Vandos, and you know Anahata, and, and a variety of different individuals. Then the next day was uh, shamanic breathwork that we led people through. The next day was a soul wander out on the land where mm. we had a you know a Native American trained tracker and wilderness expert who was guiding people on how to you know go out into the land completely soul guided and get the lessons from your you know animal spirits and just different plant spirits and different you know guidance that you might get out on the land and so that was the core it was four you know four different transformational experiences stacked together and then all the gatherings and meetups and dinners and mm-hmm. you know celebration that was kind of interspersed in between and it was absolutely incredible to just see people you know completely open up you know, so many tears, so much love, so much yeah. laughter. And then at the end, you know, you just see that people have this sense of belonging, like, oh, mm. this is my this is my tribe. How um how long does the program run? And is it something that you pay for for like a certain number of weeks or how do you how is it structured? We do it in trimesters. So there's three meetups a year and you can pay for the full year because it's actually a full year curriculum. So okay. this year was the hero's journey. So every month Good. was concepts on 
one of the 12 steps of the hero's journey mm -hmm. uh next year is going to be a different concept as well um first year was actually going through physical mental emotional spiritual so we have different curriculum every year and then three meetups a year like big summits a year and then we have additional little smaller meetups where mm -hmm. we just kind of gather and it's more of a celebration with a little bit of content yeah. um so it's a combination of everybody staying in touch digitally and then mm -hmm. meeting in uh in physical space to share these because that's where really the the bulk of the magic happens when you're actually going through you know ass on the grass with your brothers and sisters and just letting yeah. it all letting it all go out um how and, much is the year so the year for 2021 is going to be 13,500 for the year which mm -hmm. includes the three summits the three meetups and then all the digital access and then if you want to just go a la carte and get one trimester it's going to be um five thousand so they 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 pay for that but they got to just get themselves to the events on their own correct and you know we're at the we're at the point now because we're limited by dunbar's number this doesn't scale so there's you know it's all an application process so we review all the applications make sure that this is somebody that's you know going to be the right fit for the community so you apply and then you know there's not going to be that many spaces for 2021 but there's always turnover and then there's yeah. a wait list that's forming and um ideally you know we're just going to get as many people who are really fit and able to fit in this program through it uh and then encouraging people who you know understand the model to then start their own communities as well because mm -hmm. this isn't something we're not going to be able to serve the whole world with this no, concept but, but it, we can be the yeah, model yes and it, we need something like you said the the, the whole and i will get into this later because i have a section for that but the whole um passage into adulthood in our culture is just absent and so you get you know as you know famous athletes acting like children and politicians all <laughs> of donald trump acting like a teenager with no manners and lack of parenting and uh and and people are just they don't a lot of people just never really develop a sense of adult responsibility and the awareness of what it means to be a warrior. You know, you have to, to be an adult, you have to know what you're willing to fight for. And you have to know that what, what you're willing to fight for is worth dying for. Otherwise you're just fighting foolishly. And that means you just destroy your tribe and destroy the environment. And so there's a lot of things in our culture that are just, badly missing and i think a lot of it has to do with the corporatocracy and you know programming people to stay dependent and keeping them passive and uh, distracted with media and you know mm -hmm. everything except paying attention to what's really going on you know and i think that's um i think that's part of the whole issue we're going through Are you hungry for some amazing, nutritious, real food? Want something healthy and sweet for you and the kids? Do you need something that travels well, satiates you, nourishes you, and is easy to make? How about excellent organic protein powder to help you put on muscle and recover faster from exercise? Organifi offers all this and more. Make your life and your whole family's life easier and your health and vitality better with Organifi's excellent certified organic foods and drinks. Head over to Organifi.com, that's O-R-G-A-N-I-F-I.com, and look at all their amazing products and take advantage of your 20% Living 4D discount by using the code capital C, capital H, capital E, capital K, 20, that's capitals, 
all caps, CHECK20, during your checkout. My family and friends all love Organifi and know you will too. Enjoy. There's a hero inside all of us. Of course and I think yeah. that's, you know, so many people in the armed forces, you were one of them. It's the impulse to be a hero. The problem is, is that it's guided by people who are exactly as you mentioned, who just have their own greed and their own ignorance and their own bias. Mm. And so you may be an absolute hero, which most of these individuals are. Every single one that I know is, every, mm-hmm. every person who serves is. However, they're being given their missions by who? you know and and that's really the, the that's government really, exactly <laughs> which isn't even the government <laughs> right by bill gates basically <laughs> bill's now commander in general of the world <laughs> he didn't even have to do an election he just bought everybody <laughs> which is which is the problem but the but the key point is that there's a hero inside us we yeah. want we're not really living until we have something we're willing to die for. That's what yeah. Sebastian Junger's book Tribe talks about. It's mm-hmm. like human beings want something that's going to draw them together and be willing to sacrifice for other people. It's where we feel the most alive, mm-hmm. but we're just missing that. And so when you start to form you know, this community, and then, yeah, maybe the enemy isn't an enemy that's pointing guns at you, but it's the enemy that's censoring our freedom censoring yeah. our speech restricting mm-hmm. our autonomy you know then you can start to say like cyrano did in his kind of final death monologue where he's talking about all of his true enemies because he defeated everybody with a sword mm-hmm. but his true enemies were greed and mm-hmm. ignorance and bias and and all of these other kind of non-physical entities if you want to call them but these things out in the world and say like yeah i would be willing to fight and die for love and for truth and for compassion for all people in the earth and all her creatures you know yeah it seems to me that if i had to say if i had to categorize who our big enemies are i would say they are um one of them is passivity just being passive and the other one is really um just a lack of of awareness of the responsibility we all have to each other and the planet Uh, so Mm -hmm. i would call it distraction those two seem to be what stops people from really stepping into their warrior their genius their hero's journey their um awakening their self-realization their uh, responsibility to self family tribe society culture world um i'm just curious what you thought are on on passivity and um uh, just a lack of um discernment you know lack of action i think they're symptoms actually i mean i think these are symptoms of a lack of lack of purpose and yeah. a lack of belief in our own power like mm-hmm. we think ah oh, there's nothing i can do anyways you know it doesn't really it doesn't really matter like yeah. i'll give it i'll give a good example of that like I'm not the best recycler. And you know why? It's because I've read reports that China has stopped processing our recycling. And actually, the recycling doesn't have anywhere to go. And most of it gets rejected anyways. And so, like, yeah, I know it's a good thing to do. But I don't have faith that it's actually happening. And I don't have faith that even if I do recycle, which is just a small amount to a big amount, that it's actually going to go where I think it's going to go. So I'll do it. And I have recycling at home. And I have recycling. But I'm not, like really litigious about it because i don't believe in it i don't believe that i'm gonna be effective and i think that's one of the things that people is a trap 
And, you know, for, so for me to become a good recycler, I need them to say, you know what, every time you put plastic in that thing, it is going to get recycled and it's going to have this impact on the world. And then I'll be like, fuck yeah, all right, I'm all the way in. But it's really a symptom of not believing that, that I can actually make a difference, not believing in the structures, not believing in the system, not believing in my ability to contribute to it and not having, you know, I do have a strong enough purpose to, to serve the world. I'm just channeling it in different ways. But I think so it's a combination of you have to have that strong purpose. Like I want to help. Mm-hmm. And then you have to believe that what you do matters. Yeah, otherwise, that, there's no flow of current through you. If right. you don't have meaning, then it's like a light switch being off. When we have meaning and, and you have to have some level of belief to have meaning, right? If it's yep. meaningful to you, there's a level of commitment in, in the belief there that it's worth doing. But without that, I don't think anybody really can, um, I don't think there's enough spirit flowing through us to really do anything of any significance. That's, uh, I think that's absolutely the key. That's the definition of purpose that came from, you know, Viktor Frankl's study of logotherapy and the, mm-hmm. you know, the study of meaning and purpose. It has to be something that's purpose, you know, personally meaningful. And you have to believe that you can make a contribution and an impact. And for all of the woes of social media, this is also one of the benefits because right now, as you said, we're in a war of ideas. Mm-hmm. So the ability to share your ideas without having to stand on a block in the square and get actual tomatoes thrown at you, yeah. you can stand on your own platform. And yes, you will get you know the proverbial tomatoes thrown at you, but those are easier to, easier to clean up from a physical standpoint. They still mentally might hurt, mm-hmm. but we have the opportunity to fight this war of ideas and it matters i just carry some salt and pepper and <laughs> make bruschetta like, yeah baby hit me with another one <laughs> free lunch yeah um if you could <clears throat> maybe take these three categories and encapsulate them for me what would be the mission of fit for service the vision of fit for service and the values mission <clears throat> What's it? What are we on? What's our mission? What's yeah. what's the vision, and what are the values that you would say are the sort of the principles by which people in the fit for service program are um, in harmony with or aligned to? Yeah, great question. The <clears throat> mission. So you know, as I was with Don Howard and going through all of these different Wachuma Masadas, he he said, and actually the name fit for service comes from him because he always said. In order to be of service, you have to first become fit for service. So the mission is to make everybody fit for service to serve in whatever way they're capable of. Mm -hmm. And that means personally fit, physically fit, mentally fit, emotionally fit, spiritually fit, Mm -hmm. and then also having the community of support. So when we fall, when we stumble, when we're bruised and scuffed up, we have somebody there who can help us through either our own personal traumas, our challenges, or whatever thing that we're actually striving to change about the world, whatever our personal mission is. So really the mission is to help everybody become more fit and also have a community to rally behind them. Yeah. So when you say become more fit, you're talking about physical fitness, emotional fitness, mental fitness, spiritual fitness. In the program, is there anything to guide them specifically say with how they should be moving or using their bodies like exercise and then so i know just from what you've already said you got a lot of pretty elite level instructors in the program so that alone is is worth quite a lot i mean 
just to bring those people on board sure as hell ain't going to be free yeah yeah i mean and everybody has you know particular different strengths as well even yeah. our, even our core you know core group of coaches as well so of course myself and kyle you know we're dropping in all of the tips and everything we learn about physical fitness obviously a lot of it is covered some of it is just basics you know what have to be you can't cover everything exactly. physical emotional mental <laughs> spiritual you're talking about uh, 10 university curriculums <laughs> yeah. if you want to boil it i mean i got a seven-year program that i wrote for my institute and it's pretty full on right exactly. and that's exactly what i'm trying to teach over <laughs> seven years it's i mean there's an immense amount but the basics are you know it's it's the it's the doctors that you talk about yeah you know it's doctor movement doctor sleep you know it's it's the food you eat it's mm -hmm. the it's so many different things we can break down and there's also different tips and tactics and of course the heat exposure the cold exposure all the mm -hmm. hormetic stressors and the adaptation to those stressors we take people through workouts we go through different qigong and tai chi and yoga and different you know hard physical exercises we went out to a army ranger course and did a lot of the obstacle things at mm. some point so and we're encouraging people to get that physical body there because when mm. the body doesn't have energy when we feel sick and tired it's hard to have the mental energy or the spiritual energy to do anything we just yeah. want to rest and, and sleep absolutely so we go through all of the different you know techniques that we can to help bring people get them to that sense of vitality and strength that they will be able to serve and so every month you know Obviously, the first year we focused for three months on physical, three months on mental, three months emotional, three months spiritual. But this year we actually interspersed it more. So mm -hmm. every step of the hero's journey, we talked about the physical step of the hero mm -hmm. of that hero's journey, the mental step, the emotional step, the relationship step, and then also the the other thing that we really focused on this year was being financially fit for service because money is, of course, energy. It's the currency it by which we can it's do a hunting. lot of things it's yeah, hunting right exactly. we used to go hunt for meat now we go to work and metaphorically hunt for uh, something that has the currency that we need which is uh something that allows us to buy what we used to hunt for and instead of uh, buying horses and chariots we buy cars and airplane rides so i mean really these days the the hunter equivalent is making money because it's generating t what gives us the power for tangible uh, exchange and also the currency for service. You know, I yeah. sat down here at this table and Tim Ballard, who runs an organization called Operation Underground Railroad, who rescues children and women from sex trafficking situations, was telling me his stories. And I was able to cut him a $100,000 check for his organization. And I'm not as filthy rich as people think I am, but I had that currency that I was able to provide. So mm -hmm. even though I'm not going to be able to go on missions with him into Haiti, into the, the belly of the beast, and actually pull children out of these situations like mm -hmm. he does, I can support him with that. And mm -hmm. I think that's another big impetus for, you know, for fit for service is like get yourself financially fit that that you can do whatever you need, that you have the freedom to work on whatever ideas and make the posts and write the things and do the documentaries or you know hold the gatherings. But also, if you have surplus, you can help the people who are doing things that you can't do anything personally with other than you know just support them in their mission as well. So yeah. it's, a big, it's a big part of it. Yeah, you know, money's like the fuel that uh, makes the rocket fly, right? So $100,000 donations, a lot of rocket fuel and it gets a lot done. It's going to it's going to save some kids. Yeah. You know, I mean it, it yeah. will it will actually do that and what a you know what better 
what better thing to think about you know i've bought i've bought a lot of things in my life and a lot of things i love i love my car i love my tesla and things like that but mm-hmm. you know there's a, a deep satisfaction knowing that i was able to have a level of abundance in my life that i could help him out and help you know dr harry Grammer, who's running you know centers from for for youth that are transitioning out of juvenile detention and mm-hmm. and really running programs out in los angeles like i'm able to help people with those resources and you know that's a gift that i hope many many people get to you know get to share in as well and you know so of course supporting the maps organization that's pushing legalization mm-hmm. of mdma the hefter organization pushing the legalization of uh psilocybin mm-hmm. there's so many great causes out there and, and to have that abundance available um it's another aspect of being fit for service so we've really focused on that a lot and we got a ton of amazing entrepreneurs not just myself but a lot of experts in there as well and also community groups i think we did a poll at the end of 2019 and 40 percent of all of the members formed a new business partnership with an existing member that's which fantastic. is an astronomical that's really amazing. astronomical number how many are in it so far so it never goes above 150 okay. and it's kind of like a rolling that's your tribal that's the tribe yeah that's the ceiling. that's the ceiling yep that's pretty good that's still a good number you know you think of the knock-on effect of 150 wise people and it's you know a lot we, we yeah we, we can see from current leaders that one unwise people a person <laughs> can do a lot of damage so a wise one can do a lot of good if you had to encapsulate the vision what's the vision the vision is is that this becomes a model that's replicated right the right. vision is that this is something that we're offering and showing and kind of open sourcing what we're doing and that you know 10 of these spring up then 100 of these spring up then a thousand of these spring up where there's all kinds of these intentional communities going through these safe transformational initiation practices together mm-hmm. and forming these bonds and then when everybody has gone through all of these different programs then ultimately like you know that someone, even though they may not be in your tribe, they're part of a tribe that's pushed them into the deepest parts of their shadow and their vulnerability and and had them experience and share, you know, all of these different aspects of community that we don't often see. And so I envision having big powwows like the mm. uh, like the Aboriginal people did in yeah. Australia, where everybody would gather at Uluru, or in our culture, they would have big Native American powwows where yes. they would just gather. And it may not be your tribe. But it would be all the people coming together of shared similar values and mm-hmm. a and a celebration and a sharing of ideas. And I see, you know, the ultimate vision would be to see that spreading around the world, where everybody who's become a part of this can start their own community, mm-hmm. whether that's a small five, ten people, or whether they form bigger ones as well and they get their mm-hmm. full one fifty outside of this. Um, but just to see it really spread and really put the value of community and tribe and rite of passage back in the forefront of our mind mm-hmm. in away from it's really the opposite direction that everything is going right now stay isolated stay yeah. distanced if you're yeah. going to have sex with someone use a glory hole that was actually advice from the british columbia health canada they said the safest sex to have is to cut a hole in a wall and put your penis through the wall and then have the other person have sex with you through the wall it's a glory hole that literally i'm not making this up that was literal advice from the government you know I'm trying to find a polite way to say <laughs> that that only shows us that what we think of as government has turned into something re- more ridiculous than a, a 
a school for preschoolers. I mean, I mean, just, it just, I mean, I could break that down into such ridiculousness <laughs> in seconds. And the fact that 99.9% of people with even more than two neurons holding hands would never do that because <laughs> it's just so stupid. It's not even stupid. There's not yeah. a word for that level of stupidity. And from the Canadian government, that shocks me because I grew up in Canada. They're usually more sane than most. But it just goes to show you that the level of corruption and manipulation and greed and malintent from whoever's behind the whole COVID thing is reaching a level of disgust that what I hope is that the rational people of the world look at a, at a directive like that and say, okay, we've reached the point where we can't even trust any of these people. We have got to take the situation into our own hands, which would then return back to the local tribal development and say, what are we going to do here in our neighborhood, because I've seen that already happening. Yeah, and and I think that's the call. That's the clarion call that's coming. I mean, the, the ridiculousness is really, if you really think about it, like how do you even do that? What do you get one of those, like a borehole? Do you just drill something in your bathroom and be like, listen, I'll leave the front door open. I'll meet you on the other side of this bathroom wall. You go in the bedroom, I'll go in here and I'll put my dick through my wall and then you get access to whatever inches are on the other side of it. And well, go to, I was going to say, I hate it. to tell you guys, but <laughs> I've built lots of buildings and the distance between the one side of a wall and the other side of the wall is about the average man's penis. And oh, by the way, a lot of these walls are full of fiberglass called insulation. So you're going to have about a month to remember what your dick went through and your poor girl is going to be completely and utterly frustrated, which is why I often tell the joke i think i probably told it to you before the definition of something no you put your left hand on the base of your dick and your right hand on top of it and whatever's sticking out now that's something <laughs> <laughs> and in this case it's the wall joke right yeah exactly i mean oh my god I, I honestly you know it deeply concerns me that the people given these kinds of directives have the power to start wars and have access to nuclear weapons I mean, this should make us all deeply concerned. The beauty of it is, 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 though, is, is that we're all getting, really for the first time, a public expose of just how out of control our governments are and, and our medical system is and our emergency systems are. I mean, you know, the old saying, the devil you know is always better than the devil you don't know. And we're, we're getting to meet the devils that have created themselves due to the passivity and lack of paying attention to where our tax dollars are going, who's using them, you know, basically not getting involved. And I completely appreciate that the world's gotten so complicated. It's like, I'm looking at this election stuff and going, I can't even vote for any of these people. Uh, there's, there's like, most of what's going on here to me is just completely ridiculous. It's like ask someone saying, okay, which hand would you like cut off, your right or your left? <laughs> uh, your left ball or your right ball? Um, I'm like, what's happening? And, you know, it, we've created a political system where it takes so damn much money to even be a, a legitimate contender that if you're not backed by s some massive corporation or a number of them, 
you could be the best candidate in the world, but you're going to be just completely squashed relative to airtime that the morons get. So it's, it's somehow we've got to collectively level the playing field and take our power and our sovereignty back. Because if we don't do it, this is just a very good peek into the future. I mean, the future is, is, uh, everyone's going to have paper thin walls in their houses. Yeah. You know? Right. Right. <laughs> We're going to be glorial. living in Japanese dwellings. <laughs> yeah, no doubt. Hi everybody. You know, apple cider vinegar is like a panacea that's been shown through all sorts of research to help with just about anything. And I personally love this stuff. I found it very, very beneficial on many levels. And Paleo Valley's apple cider vinegar complex is absolutely awesome. And I've got Autumn Smith, their founder, here right now to tell you why it will be a great addition to your life. Autumn, what is it about your cider vinegar complex that we should all know about? <laughs> well, I created the apple cider vinegar complex because I was on a mission to not only live as long as possible, but to feel amazing when I did that. And I learned about apple cider vinegar's incredible ability to help keep our blood sugar very nice and stable, which is one thing we know people who live long, healthy lives have. And then I added organic cinnamon and organic ginger and organic turmeric, all that have different benefits of their own from anti-inflammatory properties to brain benefits. And we put them all into capsules so that you could take it and then have your digestion feel better. You could have more energy. You could have, you could avoid the ups and downs all day long because you have that nice stable blood sugar. And of course, another interesting side is that apple cider vinegar may actually be able to help your body break down glyphosate. So there are so many different ways that you can use this product and reasons that you might. And the the reason it's so important to me is because I want food to be used as medicine. And so we can encourage our bodies to do all of these amazing things simply by the addition of the apple cider vinegar complex. Well, I also love that you have ginger in there because it's a very effective anti-parasitic. And today with the amount of processed food people are eating, uh, it's a really good idea to have some ginger in your diet. So I love this product myself. I use it every morning and uh, Autumn, where can people get it and what's their discount? You guys can all save up to 15% off with the checkout code CHECK. That's lowercase C-H-E-K 15. And I just wanted to mention too, the number one thing I hear from people is that this complex helps them reduce cravings. So I hope you that's, all love it. Yes. Yeah, so go to paleovalley, P-A-L-E-O valley.com and get your 15% discount. And I hope you love it as much as I do. Here's the thing, like I, right now, everybody's looking at two candidates and this is the big problem was we have two candidates that are just the figurehead of a giant machine and this giant machine, which collects massive revenues and has huge billion dollar lobbyings from pharmaceutical companies and everything. And they're all just representatives of this massive machine instead of it just being people. And I think like this idea of parties is a disaster because then you have to follow the party line and there's so much leverage and there's so much sacrifice of your own beliefs. Because right now there's a candidate who's a libertarian candidate, Joe Jorgensen, 
And I've been looking at her stuff, and I haven't done the deepest dive, but it's phenomenal. That's what I was told, too. Everything she's saying is just like, wow, this is phenomenal. But guess what? She's not there on the stage. Nobody knows about her. She's not a viable option. So everybody's like, well, which one do you choose, this idiot or this idiot? It's like, no, no, there's actually other people who are on the ballot, but we're not giving them any attention. They don't have a big enough machine behind them and enough media and enough manipulation that we're actually considering it. And until a third party at least a third party breaks the yoke of this two-party system, we're in trouble. And then the government beyond that is they're hiding behind these organizations. Like ultimately back in the day, your representatives, you knew them. They went to the tavern with you and you Mm -hmm. could talk to them. If someone put out some crazy ass policy like recommending glory holes for sex, like you could go up to them as they're drinking a beer and be like, what the fuck were you thinking, man? And be like, well, I don't know. You know, I just thought I was safe. You'd be like, what? What I would say is take me to your house and show me yours. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And they would have some accountability. But right now, you just put it out on these blank websites where there's, and you could send in an email to the contact form potentially and would it ever get answered? No, there's no, there's no accountability to the policymaking that's actually happening. They're not part of the people. They're just... Mm these figureheads of these massive organizations the political ones yeah. the media organizations the lobbying organizations it's a it's a big problem that we have but as you said it's being exposed yeah and it's all in front of our face now so now you know when we decide not to be passive to go back to what you're saying as well yep. and to actually take action and say no fuck this there's you know the thing is is that the number of people behind this whole thing from covid to everything we're talking about really is a small number of people compared to the rest of us, right? There's mm-hmm. about 7 billion people on the planet. Uh, and, you know, there's a handful of people pulling the strings at the top of this whole pyramid. But, you know, a colony of ants can, can destroy a herd of elephants, no problem. And so if, if even if they're a herd of elephants, when enough of us just say that's enough and say we're not doing that, you know, take off your mask, get back to work, be productive, and let's create our own government. You know, we've got to get all this uh, corporate crap out, and we have to create a government system where each candidate gets equal airtime, equal opportunity. So there's yep. no corporate manipulation. When you look at people like Bill Gates and how they can completely manipulate the media and how these corporations can buy off anybody, they buy off judges, they buy anything they want to to create whatever they want, which is really a disaster. One of the things that irritated the piss out of me is I'm part of many of these different watch groups from Native American tribes and uh, groups that are just concerned about nature. And while COVID was going on and everybody was distracted, Donald Trump was removing the protection on parklands and, and nature preserves so that people could start doing fracking and drilling in them. I'm like, you gotta be fucking kidding me. And so they keep creating all these sort of disaster scenarios to get people's eye off the ball. And then they run these law through. Well, nobody's paying attention. They're too scared to death to even think about it. And they were putting 5G systems in schools all all over the place. It's just, we really have to, we're either going to be, we're either going to be pushed into a situation where we really collapse of isolation and turn into a world full of psychopaths paths because of the fact that everything that's we're being told to do it almost makes me feel like we're, we're having some kind of an alien invasion from a an intelligence that has no need for human connection or even uh nature mm. it's it's like it's really almost like 
um, a robotic kind of mentality. Well, that's the ego, though. I mean, the ego knows itself only in relative position to others. The ego is the one that says, I am not God. You know, that's the purpose of the ego. <laughs> yes. That's the, the ego says, I am not God. So if God is everybody else, it's saying, I am not any of you. And it defines its worth in relative position. It defines its worth as better than everybody else. And so we have an ego invasion where people yeah. have forgotten the other aspect. Like, yeah, of course, we all have egos. Mm. That's the tension. That's the dance. That's the yin and the yang. Mm. That's the I am not God. And then there's a spiritual our part of us, our soul, that says I am God. Mm -hmm. And both of those need to dance in harmony together yeah. so we can experience God. Mm -hmm. But right now, ego is just on a fucking rampage, and it doesn't mm -hmm. care about other people. Yeah. It's living in a universe of one. It says, I am the only thing that exists. It's yeah. trying to become God itself rather than recognizing the God that exists. Yes, and you know, one need only spend a few hours in any good book on mythology to see where that leads. <laughs> right? <laughs> Dismemberment and death, hopefully followed by rebirth. But and, and, and that's really what we're going through. We're going through a dismemberment right now, really. We've got to dismember every belief system and behavior that is not inherently good for the collective so we we need to go through a dismemberment we, like i was saying i think in our podcast there's no more political system you're voting with what you put your money into that's yeah. the only thing that has any power and a lot of these corporations are like dragons with big appetites but the 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 real spiritual warrior behavior in my opinion is having the discipline not to put money into the hands of people that you're used to putting in the hands of because it makes your life easy right so how do you use your iphone in ways that are conducive to creating wholeness and connection but not use it in ways that are conducive to being spied on and to being manipulated and and to spending money that you don't have and and, and the long list of ways that are negative how do you use the internet as a means of communicating truth wisdom inspiration and support versus using the internet to just bash people and um you know as a means of distraction and as a as a means of um getting your idea full of head full of ideas that are really part of their um false false uh, propaganda campaign right so there there the there's we have the tools that have created the enslavement that actually if used intelligently will create the freedom and then, of course, we have to fight for our freedom of speech because, as you very well know, a lot of the greatest minds in the world telling us the truth about COVID and all this stuff are being immediately taken off the internet. And that, to me, is one of the biggest threats there is. Like when you start taking away freedom of speech and you start taking away the sovereignty for a person to choose what they get vaccinated with or not, what drugs they take or not, what procedures they use or not. Uh, you now are uh, no longer in a democracy and you're in something else. And that something else smells a lot like a prison to me. And we talked about it on the podcast we did for my show yesterday, but this it's part of James Carson's definition of evil, Yes, which is these tools are inherently neutral. 
YouTube, yeah, it's neutral. It it's is. a great tool. Instagram, neutral, great tool. However, when you have people in power who are then using that to restrict and squash other people's voices and actually change the rules of the game, slant the rules of the game so that it's not a fair game anymore. It's a, yeah. it's a tilted game. It's like a casino that has loaded dice where you can never win or a slot machine that never rolls, never gives you cherries. It's, it's, it's creating a game under the auspices, oh, this is a place to share ideas, but it's, also, it's manipulating it straight through. So it's still a tool, but we have to understand that right now the odds are being slanted against us. So we have to play the game with, with care. Yes, and, and, and like uh, Brian Rose did at London Real, he created his own platform that Correct. they couldn't manipulate as has people like uh, Joe Mercola and many others. So the, the, see, the thing is by definition, Whenever a game is going on, both parties on either side agree to the same set of rules or you don't have a game. You have two games and not everybody knows which one they're playing, which is exactly what's going on right now, um, except it might be more than two games because we're not agreeing to glory holes and we're not agreeing <laughs> to masks and we're not even agreeing to the bullshit about what they are saying is really going on the virus this and the virus can infect you that way i mean when you start listening to the brightest minds out there like zach bush dr tom cowan um and, and a long list of them and Rashid mickey willis's Bittar, yeah. yeah mickey willis's pandemic documentary and you know there's a bruce lipton and i mean there's a lot of really really sharp people that should be getting a lot of airtime but when you start listening to people that have much bigger hearts and are clearly not in it just to manipulate people. A lot of them are sharing their love and wisdom for no money. I mean, mm -hmm. I, I put almost 600 videos on YouTube for free because my interest is in supporting people. So when you see how much great information and great wisdom is out there, but how quickly it's being taken down and how quickly they're using so-called fact checkers, checkers to discredit a lot of these people, it's, it's point being is that there's different games being played at once, but the game that everybody's supposed to be playing is the one that the government wants you to play because there's penalties for not playing that game. So because the government is supposed to be of the people for the people, and it's not, we really don't have a government anymore. We have a corporate headquarters and that, you know, I, I, studied the biography of adam smith i don't know if you're familiar with adam smith he was the bet, first yeah. first economist and he said right in his biography he had never been to a meeting any kind of government meeting where there were corporate heads where the conversation was not how to get more money out of people and he said there was no concern whatsoever for the impact that their strategies would have on them in other words they didn't care if if they broke them as long as they got them to buy stuff. So his warning was corporations and big business should never be allowed in government. And we know that religion should not be allowed into government as a, uh, a means of making moral choices because those choices are too polarized against other religions. So we really actually all the greatest minds in the formation of government and even our constitution uh, have warned us against everything that's happening, ever happening for the very reasons it's happening. So, you know, it seems to me that we have to start governing ourselves 
in ways that are congruent with what we need, not only for the planet, but what we need for each other. And from there, enough people will start standing in unity like your fit for service concept. And we will start realizing that we all, A, aren't stupid enough to fall for the germ theory and the pro proposed medical model, model of the virus, which is really just designed to sell more drugs and vaccinations. It has nothing to do with the truth. We will then realize we have the same needs for the planet. You know, I think mm -hmm. of the world, let's call the world the game board or the dream board. We all come here as souls to live out our dreams and grow spiritually and learn from relationship and learn to um, manage the powers of, of consciousness within us. But with, when you look at the board, you say, okay, what does it take to keep the world as a healthy stage for the play of our own spiritual growth and development? You got to have healthy soil. You got to have clean water. You got to have healthy air and you got to not do things that disrupt the atmosphere such as greenhouse effects and, and pollution and things like that. So it seems to me that those are the things that everybody, regardless of race, color, creed, tribe, nation, corporation, all need for not only our own survival, but each other's survival and the survival of the ecosystem that allows us to have this game field. So my, my dream is that all of this brings us to the point of realization, and it concerns me because we're being distracted from what's happening in nature. We're being distracted sure. from how close the planet is to a major ecological crisis like you know an extinction crisis because we're getting caught up in all the covid and all the racism and all the smoke and mirrors but i think that um there's enough people waking up and program a program like yours is really good for waking people up to come to the realization okay it, it doesn't even matter if you work for biotech and your goal is to vaccinate everybody if you don't realize that none of that's going to matter if we don't start taking care of the planet and start taking care of each other and come to some sort of a unified understanding of what health is and bring our education systems up to speed on things like viruses and the uses of technology and um, the science of mind and what quantum physics tells us about the world. I mean, we're, we're, our education systems are operating 10, 20 plus years behind what we actually know when we study the leaders in each of these communities. But right now we can't afford to be operating on these old outdated ideas or, or we're going <laughs> to create a, a bigger crisis. Right. You know, one thing, it can all sound completely overwhelming and incredibly pessimistic when we think about all the changes that need to be made and how, uh, <clears throat> resistant to adaptation these institutions are, but take a look at something like the, like the, christian or catholic church yeah you know and take a look at the, how they've adjusted according to the will of the people over time i mean uh at first in the 1200s it was the inquisition it was the holy wars and then there was the witch hunts and then mm -hmm. there was all of these different absolutely crazy draconian practices that were going on and then still you know fast forward a few hundred years there's still hellfire and brimstone you're going to go to hell you know if you're gay you burn in hell immediately and then see how that's adapted this institution that's been you know one of those forces of now like you you if you're gay you you don't go to hell immediately just when you die <laughs> <laughs> yeah it's but it's you you look and even the preachers that are out there now they're not preaching the hellfire and brimstone why because their congregation don't doesn't show up anymore yeah they don't get people in the seats they don't yeah. get the tithing and so even an institution like that has adapted. It has adapted over the time. An institution like McDonald's, 
You know, McDonald's is way healthier now relatively to what it was 20 years ago because people want to have salads. All right, maybe it's not the best source produce and the best this, but if you look at the menu compared now to then, it's better. You know, the yeah. chicken the chicken source is better. The You have more salad options. You have more low-carb options. Things will adapt when we demand it, and mm-hmm. it, it's incremental. The more that people start demanding and voting with their dollars, that's it. It will it will change, and leaders yep. will emerge, and people will be like, "No, this this leader works." And then all the politicians will be like, "Oh shit, I gotta be more, you know, I gotta think along these lines." Like all of these organizations, corporations, they're not going to lead; they're going to lag. Yeah, and so it's really up. The primacy is, it's on us. It's yeah. on all of us. You know, Bioptimizers makes an amazing product called P3OM, which is a prebiotic product. And it's amazing for uh, not only helping uh, repopulate the gut with uh, friendly bacteria, but as Wade will tell you, it's really, really an amazing uh, product in case you ever feel like you're getting any kind of food poisoning or illness coming on. And Wade's right here with me, and he's the co-founder of Bioptimizers, and he knows more about P3OM than anybody. But I can tell you this, I've had nothing but excellent results and nothing but positive feedback from all my clients and friends that I've turned it on, turned on to P3OM. So Wade, tell us a little bit about P3OM and, and why it works so well. Well, P3OM is, we call it the Navy SEAL of probiotics. Amen. Bas- basically, its job is to kick out the bad guys in your body. Uh, food poisoning is one of those things from bad bacteria. What we've done is we've taken a, an aggressive strain of L-plantarum. We put it into toxic soup, ran a sine wave to keep a few of them alive. And the few survivors, we grow in very specialized medium to make a cultured, patented enzyme that has extraordinary powers uh, number one, it survives the intestinal tract. Yes. And number two, it is absolutely hunts down uh, pathogens in the, in the body, bacteria, viruses, these type of things. And this is really where the future of probiotics is. It is about developing and culturing and creating super strains of probiotic, very much like the Navy SEALs go through a training and these yes. individuals mm-hmm. have extraordinary powers to deal with chaos. And in today's world where we want to improve our immunity and our function and our gut health, P3M is head and shoulders above any probiotic out there. So my understanding is it can be used daily as a supplement, but it can also be used in larger quantities as a defense measure. We've tested this uh, literally with over a hundred of our friends who have been suffering from various times of food poisoning. And a handful of those guys, when you're in food poisoning and within 20 to 30 minutes, you complete recovery. That's awesome. And I've, I've uh, seen it happen myself. Angie has felt bad a number of times and uh, several of people in the, in the house or family have. And I say, take 10. If that doesn't feel good in an hour, take 20. And you've told me you can't overdose on them, which is amazing. Yeah, that's the beauty of P3M. You can't take too much. They'll fight off the bad guys and uh, they'll get your digestion rocking and rolling the way it should. So if you want to have a healthy gut and you want some defense, carry P3OM with you wherever you go, airplanes, cars, business meetings, hotels, conferences, and you've got your Navy SEALs in the bottle and they're ready for you anytime. Wade, how do we, we get a hold of your amazing P3OM product? Super easy. Just go to www.bioptimizers.com slash living4d and put in Paul10 for your 10% discount code. That's B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z 
ers.com slash living4d and Paul10 for your discount code. You got it. There you go. Try it. You'll love it. I use them. I can't tell you enough how much I love this product. I think it's a genius product and you've heard it right from the master himself. Get your P3OM. Let us know how you feel about it. Lots of love. Money is the blood of policy and productivity, right? If you don't have enough money, you can't implement a change in strategy because it requires contacting a lot of people, explaining a lot of things to them and helping them see why we should or shouldn't do things. And I think part of the reason we're in all this trouble is because we've all gotten so busy that we actually rarely ever have a clue what the governments are doing. We really don't. We don't have a clue what big media is doing. We don't have a clue what medicine's doing. We find out when someone's telling you to cut a hole in your wall and that's how you got to have sex. And all of a sudden we're like, how in the world did you come up with that? But in a democratic government, we should be aware of what the issues are and we should be aware that we have an opportunity to vote for these things. But like I've I've seen these uh, like for the vote when you get the book, it's like it's like there's 150 things being voted on. And, and how mm-hmm. who in the world has the time to actually study each of these candidates and what their beliefs are? And we know that politicians are world famous for telling people what they want to hear and giving them what the politician wants, not what they need. In other words, telling a story. Uh, the United States is famous for making promises to countries around the world and then not keeping them. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I never forget um, George Bush made a, a promise to one of the countries, I can't remember, but he, I think it was Africa, to give them something like $6 billion for, for grain and for food. And he made the first payment of $500 million and then never paid anything after that. But he only did it while the cameras were focused on him. And I was reading a a book that was about this and how the African government was just waiting and waiting and waiting and just kept getting pushed aside. The point being is we, we really... We really have to slow the system down and we've got to slow ourselves down and really get to an awareness of, okay, how, how do I create space to anchor myself in my own health and vitality? How do I create space to anchor my family? And then how do I create a certain amount of time each day to really get a finger on the pulse of what's going on in the world that I need to participate in? Right now, I don't think people between self and family, I think the only way they're participating in the world is just fear and shock and pure reactivity. But a group like that you're, you've got going right. your fit for service is really saying, okay, let's, let's think about what it means to be fit for service. What does it mean to be fit within yourself? What does it mean to have fit healthy relationships? What does it mean to have a fit tribe? And then we, we have to sort of powwow the planet together. Yeah, and and I always I always think of it as <clears throat> oftentimes people assume that time is the rate limiting factor for what we can accomplish. I really don't think it is. I think it's energy. Yeah, and I think really what it is is do you have the vitality, or do, are you just so exhausted and inflamed from the shitty food you're eating, and so mm-hmm. consumed with the melodramas of your relationships and this thing going on in your family that's eating up your time, and the forgiveness that you haven't given, and the grievances that you have towards yourself and others? Is that just burning on a constant loop? So then it feels like you don't have any time because you're consuming mm-hmm. that much of your energy. Because yeah. really, we we have way more time if we have the energy. You know, if we yeah. actually have the energy to do it, we can have that amazing time with our yeah. family and go do our work. And then we won't have to collapse in a heap on our bed because we're, we have the vitality 
to be able to say, okay, now I'm going to spend an hour looking out into the world and seeing how I can contribute or however much time we have. For a lot of us, it's going to be even more time than that. And, and it's really just a matter of getting that energy and support in the community to hold you so you can move through your challenges faster. So it takes you a month to get through this trauma rather than, you know, 10 years to get yes. through this trauma. I think, too, when you have more energy, you get more work done per unit of time. Truth. Right? It's just like going in the gym. Someone who's really fit can move a lot of pounds of weight in 20 right. minutes, but someone who's not uh, may not even move a tenth of that in 20 minutes. Mm -hmm. and, and they both may have the same level of perceived fatigue, fatigue uh, just like you know, if my deadlift maximum is 500 and someone else is 400, we're both working at the same level, 100% exertion. But if you're a fit, you get a lot more done and you actually... Um, because of that, you have other time to engage other aspects of your life. M right. From what I see, having worked in a clinic for my whole life and worked with all sorts of people from, you know, the typical work world to elite athletics is that most people, by the time they get home, they're so completely and utterly exhausted that all they want to do is have a glass of wine and stare at something on television and completely and utterly check exactly. out. Exactly. Because they actually don't even enjoy living in the world that they've been born into. So it's as though they don't really start living until they get a couple of drinks under their belt and now lots of pot and something to completely distract them. And unfortunately, a lot of people keep watching the news hour, which is probably about the worst possible thing you could watch considering the well-documented falsity of it all. And so I think if people really come to the realization that choosing to live is a necessary choice to choose to love because if you're not really alive you don't have enough energy to share in love and you're collapsed into yourself and life is just this big struggle and i think if more people would return back to the basics and one of the things that i like about the tribe model is i think that's ultimately where we're headed on a big scale yep. i think what's gotta happen for our own safety and security is we have to localize energy production so start gridding networking a community with solar energy so that we're not dependent upon fossil fuel driven energies and we're not even dependent so if, if the next county over gets hit by a tornado or the power station gets hit by a tornado actually it debilitates only small areas because we're networked together share resources share water and i think we have to get out of this easily manipulated cash system digital system and start a hybrid that's half um bartering aubrey is really good at say uh making such and such an item and i'm uh, a doctor so i come help you when your kids are sick and you give me cheese because you've got cows and you've got cheese to barter because then what happens is we actually start trading real value for real value. Right now, it's really hard to say what the value of our money is at any given moment. Does that make sense to yeah, you? Yeah, of course. I think what, what occurs to me is the smaller the units of organization and the more autonomy those organizations have, the better off we're going to be. Even states' rights, yeah. right? Like if every state could really decide their own laws, yes. really top to bottom, we'd yep. be in way better shape. Yes, because then would. the states that were making sense 
would then have everybody moving in. And we saw that with marijuana laws, yes. right? Like as soon as they released the prohibition of marijuana laws in Colorado, Colorado started booming. People started yep. moving to Colorado. Yes. And so in these places, if the states had even more autonomy, decide where the, like a, a higher portion of the tax dollars went straight to that state, a higher portion of, of their ability to create laws and policies regarding masks and vaccinations, you know, where a state could be like, you know what, no mandatory vaccinations for kids in this state. You know, we have these offered. If anybody wants them, of course you can get them. It's all elective. It's your choice. You have the right to put this into your kid's body or not, you know, Mm -hmm. and that state would develop. And then fucking so many people, it wouldn't matter what state it was. It could be Iowa and people are like, damn, I don't really love the Iowa's natural landscape, but Iowa has some pretty dope policies as it concerns this, this, and this. And then Iowa would start to thrive and cultivate this community. But even sm- on a smaller scale, even within the state, within a county or a city, like the more autonomy we can give to the smaller units, then we allow people the freedom to choose. Yes. And it also really supports diversity. Because if you have state government that can control what the federal government's controlling, we might have this state has legal legalized psilocybin, marijuana, and you can have your own ceremonies there. You can yep. ha- set up a system where you can be a trained facilitator of healing, you know, plant healing ceremonies. You can have uh, vaccination freedom. You do or you don't. It's up to you. So what happens is it gives us a chance to actually do social research where we say, well, what happens if you give people access to psychedelics and they don't have to vaccinate their children? Then we go to these other states where they're living under the kind of circumstances we're under right now. And we say, well, how healthy are the kids? How intelligent are the people becoming? What's the diversity there? What's their gross national product? And it's probably only going to take a couple of years before the obviousness of that is like, wow, um, that state over there, isn't doing very well and they're spending a hell of a lot of money on vaccinations and and uh, biotech and all this other crap um but this state over here that's living more like californians lived in the 60s closer to the earth with uh, ceremonies of medicine and good music and bartering and taking care of each other is going to probably shoot through the roof and it would be literally like a social experiment that could be easily studied and objectified just the way anthropologists study cultures and cultural anthropology and that and that's absolutely what happens and and again going back to that same example with marijuana before they legalize recreational marijuana everybody's like oh man people are going to be driving all high and there's going to be so many car accidents and then nobody's going to be making nobody's going to go to work all of these biases and all of these propagandized opinions and then you start looking at the data oh all of traffic accidents are down because people aren't being as drunk they're not as aggressive yeah they're driving slower than the speed limit because they're high not because not racing around all you know with their GABA agonist alcohol just lowering inhibitions in that way so all of these different things that people were saying and projecting are now like oh well i guess that was wrong yes now here's the actual data and that's we really we really need that but if the if the government puts that kind of authoritarian control then it's really hard to have these you know test samples it's really hard to have these observational studies on a state or county-wide basis the other thing is you know i think you know as well as i do when you tell people what they can't have and can't do doesn't stop them from doing it it just means they take it under the table 
right? <laughs> the war on drugs produces the biggest flow of drugs on the planet, like cartels. So they say, oh, you want a war on drugs? We'll give you one. We'll take over your entire freaking country. We'll kill your police department, do exactly what we want. So I think, you know, when you actually realize that when we stop people from having access to the things that inherently help us be human, be it plant medicines or freedom of speech, it just pushes it underground and then it just comes out in another form somehow, but it then becomes um, accessible to less people because it becomes illegal, but you also don't have as many people with great minds contributing because it's hidden, yep. right? It becomes occult. Imagine if you took all the occult sciences and put them on the table at every university around the world and say, okay, let's discuss this. Let's analyze it from what we know today, see where maybe we can make it better, but also see maybe where the occultists had a lot of great concepts that we should learn from. And we analyzed it with respect for what it is and what it was, but what we could make it today. In other words, if you took what was hidden and brought it up for everybody to participate in with the spirit of democracy, uh, I think we could turn all sorts of stuff that's very misconceived. I mean, I, I've got Mayor Giuliano, who's the mayor of New York's report on marijuana that he did because the federal government tried to shut him down when he was mayor. And he said, I see nothing but positive effects from the trade of marijuana. So he did an investigation, which is about a 400 page book. And he showed that in every university he sent his investigators into the people smoking pot consistently had the highest grades and the people drinking alcohol regularly had the lowest grades. And he, he showed many of the health benefits of marijuana, but he's basically was saying to the federal government, I'm not going to do this just because you want me to. And even after they produced the report, they told him you either stop letting marijuana be traded or we remove you. So he had to pretty much lay down, but he produced a hell of a good report. So there you see someone who, says, no, I'm not just going to follow the rules. I'm going to investigate this and put the information on the table because we can't make intelligent decisions as a democracy unless we have enough information on the table that's there for everybody to see, which means we have to have a vehicle of exposing people to what are the issues that we need to look into, like a massive web system that isn't controlled by corporations or special interest groups. It can run commercials and ads and distract you. It has to be something that Basically, we need a panel of wise men and women, like mm -hmm. the grandfathers and grandmothers of a tribe, to say these are the issues that we all need to look at, and these have been presented in an unbiased way, kind of like you're supposed to do in a legal case. So then we can sift through all the information and make decisions. Or I think we're just going to keep getting, um, we're perpetually going to be fighting the power and the manipulation of just a handful of giant dragons that are like Bill Gates that can manipulate anybody to get whatever they want. And, and that that's going to lead to a, a bigger crisis than we're in. Yeah. It's uh, and I think it, it will develop in time, you yeah. know, and I think like, even you look at something like, I mean, Google has such a monopoly. I mean, just such oh, a massive God. monopoly in the way that if you look at the creepy line and look at some of these yes. documentaries that show how things are filtered to actually change your perception and how people with their own biases and their own political agendas and their own you know, ad revenue and their own other factors mm -hmm. can actually manipulate the system to create a result or create election results. Or There's a lot of different things that are happening right now, but as soon as people become aware, 
And they're like, oh, fuck it. I'm going to search on Bing now. Yeah. And like Bing stands up and says, I don't even know if that's even a search engine anymore, but I'm just coming up with an obscure one. But someone comes out and they raise some money and they say, look, enough people are sick of this. We're going to have an absolutely unbiased neutral search engine with neutral criteria and an algorithm. That's it. And then everybody's just like, fuck it. All right. You know, this is the rally. We all got to search on Bing from now on because this is this is bullshit. Oh, YouTube and Instagram and Facebook, they're all censoring content. Okay, this new platform is developed and there's no censorship on this platform. Just like a lot of these other messaging platforms where, you know, like I think it's Telegraph and, and a, some other different um, messaging platforms yes. that are encrypted so that yes. all of your data is not, you can't text your friend about wanting to go to Tulum and then you see, you know, an ad Messages, for Tulum yeah. pop up yep. you know, on your on your thing. Like everything is being watched right now but other services will come and people will just choose those services. So it will correct itself. But the first thing that needs to happen is people need to have that awareness. People Mm -hmm. need to become aware of actually what's happening and then the market will demand and the market will respond to those demands. You know, glutathione is an extremely powerful antioxidant. I don't know if any of you have ever noticed on my YouTube videos from Uh, A couple of years ago, I had a spot forming just below my left eye, which was the result of me doing so much research on herbs. And Angie, who is a nutritionist, said, you should try some glutathione. Maybe you need more antioxidant support. And literally day by day, I watched it disappear as soon as I started taking glutathione. But I didn't have the kind of glutathione that Symbiotica produces in their new Regenesis product. So I've got Shervin here to really explain what is unique about their new glutathione product. Shervin, what can we expect from Regenesis? Well, that's an interesting story, Paul, um, regarding that spot. And it just shows you exactly how strong glutathione is. We went out of our way. You know, it took us about 18 months to develop this, a lot of hard work. The entire team of scientists got together. And what we found was that most glutathions on the open market oxidize because of the sulfur compound that's attached to it. As soon as oxygen hits it, you get this sulfur, you know, layout, which is very, very unpleasant. Our glutathione, which is liposomal, so it is protected, is bounded to lactoferrin. Lactoferrin is the is the amino acid chain that makes colostrum colostrum. So this is our first non-vegan formula. It's still vegetarian, but it isn't vegan. Along with that, we have CoQ10, PQQ, which is pyroquinolone, which is a good brain nootropic, and lactobacillus rhamnosus, a human strain probiotic. All of these come together. It supports healthy intestinal tract, mitigates food environmental allergies, improves nerve growth factor, reinforces the immune system, neutralizes free radicals, antiviral, antibacterial, removes heavy metals, and just boosts the brain-gut relationship, which we know now is so critical to longevity and optimum health. This is truly one of our favorite, favorite formulas. Also, unlike a lot of supplements, it tastes very, very good. I was super (laughs) impressed when I tried it. Yeah, we find that to be very important. And again, we don't use anything artificial. Everything is organic. They're all extracts and there's zero sugar in any of our products. Awesome. So head on over to C-Y-M-B-I-O-T-I-K-A.com. That's symbiotica.com. And on checkout, use your code, capital C, capital H, capital E, capital K, 15, to get your 15% discount on Regenesis and any of the other amazing products at Symbiotica. Enjoy. And if you have spots on your skin, you might just get rid of them with this amazing product. 
I think we have enough intelligence and enough money in the public <clears throat> to create the equivalent of Google that isn't um, manipulating people, that's doing what it should do, that's honest. I think we have enough intelligence and money amongst the people to say, wait a minute, this so-called government thing's out of hand. We have to figure out how to create our own government. And when enough people say we're, we're up for that, where we really do have a democratic government, then the other government simply uh, is going to be put out of business because it's made of the same people that we're drawing from. In other words, you, you can't have a military unless there's someone there holding weapons. But if they realize the cause they're holding the weapon for is unjust, a lot of people will put the weapon down. And I think we're at the point where we have to come to the realization of what is and isn't just, what is and isn't moral, and what is and isn't, isn't good for the collective because if we don't do that, then we're going to continue to see the faces of division, the effects of division, 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 because the whole COVID things brought us into the most segregated, divided situation where the only thing we have in common is that we're really irritated by it. Yeah, right, <laughs> right. We're all just irritated by it. Um, wh the, what are some of the values that you built your program on? Yeah, I think the... The core value is that you lead with your vulnerable truth, mm -hmm. you know, and vulnerability is an interesting thing because it's, it's twofold. It's not just leading with your, you know, story about the trauma you had and, and that's a part of it and all, anything that's, you know, difficult for you, but it's also the stuff that you're ashamed of, the stuff that you're embarrassed about, but it's also the stuff that you're really awesome at mm -hmm. that you might have this, you know, false sense, this, this necessity for humility that'll prevent you from saying, actually i'm i'm really good at this and i can offer this so vulnerability is is really a deep commitment to the truth it's not putting on any facades it's not hiding behind anything and and that's overwhelmingly the core value it's mm -hmm. just lead with your vulnerability lead with the truth you don't need to overspin the cue ball one way to make yourself seem cool or mm -hmm. underspin it another way to pretend that you know you don't have of these aggressive urges or you haven't done these things and you're like share the truth and yeah and ultimately when people do that it gives permission for everybody else to do that and that's how you really feel seen because mm -hmm. if we're just showing people the projection of what we want them to see it's like everybody's watching a movie the little dramaturgy of our life that we're that we're projecting rather than seeing the real person so there's no community there at all period because all we're doing is watching each other's movies we might be in a just a, a massive hall of mirrors a projection hall yeah we're back in plato's cave exactly so nothing is real but to get to the realness and the real truth behind it whatever that is and then have that be received and then share your own truth that is overwhelmingly the core value and perhaps the only real core value and of course there's some other ones like you know if you're going to do this like for us as coaches if we're asking for vulnerability like we always go first like mm -hmm. that's my motto yeah, all the time critical. i go first you know mm -hmm. if i'm asking you guys to do this I go first. And mm -hmm. recently we had a challenge where someone was supposed to share the thing they are most ashamed of, you know, most ashamed of about themselves or about what they've done. And then also the thing that they're the most shy to share that they really believe that they're the greatest at, you know, mm -hmm. that they're the best attribute of themselves. And so it was both. It was sharing the duality. But if, if us as coaches and myself included, if we're asking that, we all went through and you say, okay, we go first. You know, mm -hmm. and, and that's the and that's the motto. And I think that really sets the tone. So it's not like 
you guys do this and we'll judge you from another place it's like no 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 like we're yeah. gonna we're gonna we're gonna come in here and we're gonna show you from our own hearts otherwise it's like showing up at a nude beach all dressed <laughs> right. you know and sitting there staring at everybody right you know right like, all right this guy's uh <laughs> That's a great he's analogy. Here, he's here actually. for different reasons than we are. It's <laughs> a great analogy. Funny, he's sitting along the shore looking up, not at the top. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Not even looking at the water. Yeah. Must be a government official <laughs> doing a head count. <laughs> See who can fit through the glory hole. Yeah, it's a it's a crazy thing. Well, that's really good. So, you know, sort of to spend the rest of the podcast i've got a theme that i got from my studies at ken wilbur who i study a lot and, and really honor and respect as a great <laughs> great mind right ken wilbur's you know ken wilbur's work mm-hmm. i'm assuming he's he's pretty deep and um you know ken wilbur says we're at a point now where we need to wake up clean up grow up and show up so in the context of uh, both your fit for service, but also in the context of fit for service as a world populace right now, in order to really create something that's beautiful, that's sustainable, um, that enhances life both in nature and in our lives, and gives us a place where our kids have a future of doing something other than wearing hazmat masks everywhere and having to be educated on iPhones and have no social skills whatsoever. Um, what, what's your feeling with regard to what it means to wake up right now? Well, I think it's, uh, it's something that is used a lot. And I think it's used in kind of a, a negative way. It's used as kind of a contrasting slight to other people who are asleep. Because the process of waking up is not binary. It's a gradual waking up. Like I've been continually waking up my whole life and I'm continuing to wake up currently. So to say like wake up is a definition, it's it's not. It's like enlightened or not enlightened. It's not really that way. There's an enlightening that happens. There's a waking that happens. And what that is, is it becomes, it's becoming more aware of your, subconscious it's shining the light into your subconscious where all of the conditioning lies where Mm -hmm. all of your urges and motivations may be coming from like why are you attracted to these type of people is it a trauma bonding pattern is it trump kind of redemption from your childhood waking up in relationship is realizing oh wait am i trying to duplicate something from my childhood to redeem some slight and some trauma that i've internalized Mm -hmm. let me become aware of that and once I'm aware of that, then I can actually have agency and operate with it. Becoming waking up in the world is saying, "Oh, daddy government doesn't always have my best interest in mind." That's the kind of waking up I'm and it's, re- referring to. It's all so you have to become aware of all of this and wake up to yourself. Like, what are my own biases? Mm-hmm. What are my own? What's my own desire for comfort? What's my fear of actually? going for it and and identifying myself as a hero and recognizing how much yeah. power i have is am i afraid that if i recognize how much power i have and then i fail that i'll let people down and then my own self-criticism will get to such a degree that i won't be able to handle it and is that keeping me stationary and in mm-hmm. the same spot it's really all about awareness waking up is just how much can i be aware of in myself mm-hmm. and in the collective and it's a, it's a constant thing. You're just pushing a little bit farther, a little bit farther, a little bit farther. 
and gradually waking up more and more until we're as awake as we can possibly be, but we're enshrouded in Maya, the illusion. You know, we're enshrouded in dreamscape. Mm -hmm. So the idea of being completely awake, except for maybe brief moments of pure Satori or some plant medicine guided, it's 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 a goal. It's a, mm -hmm. something that we can set our sights on, but it's not something that I think is attained in a in a yes no one or zero way. Mm -hmm. It's a it's a gradual process, and we should all set our sights on waking up as much as we possibly can. Yeah, I think for me it means wake up to the responsibility you have with how you spend your money. Wake up to whether or not what you're doing is sustainable on a on a grand scale. Um, wake up to whether or not uh, you're contributing beyond just your personal interests wake up to the genius that's within you we all have yep. just as we all have a hero in us we all have a genius in us our soul is the genie genie the genie and the genius that you know so when i'm talking about the issues of covid on many podcasts they say look whatever you love to do do it if you love to paint paint some truth if you love to teach teach some truth if you love to sing create inspirational songs that you know be like a, a gordon lightfoot or a bob dylan or any of these great folk singers that got us through vietnam and many of the other crises such as world war um if you love to write write in other words i think that waking up is waking up to your natural means of contributing but also waking up to something greater than just your personal needs but to the collective needs of the 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 family, the culture, and the world, and so uh, I don't think waking up can really happen without education. Because how do you wake up without education? <laughs> well, I mean, there's certainly people who've woken up to a lot of things without education, because education is a lot of conditioning. But it's well, education yeah. from the world, and it's, it's I yeah. think what you're talking about is lowercase e education rather yeah. than capital e education. From I don't I don't necessarily mean. Um, I mean, listening to podcasts like exactly. this, where you're getting your mind expanded instead of just getting another bunch of political stuff regurgitated. Uh, I mean, uh, waking up to the fact that <laughs> your walls are six inches thick and glory holes don't really work. Um, <laughs> and if they do, good for you. Yes, they do. <laughs> for, yeah, high five. <laughs> and, and we know you're a porn star. <laughs> but, uh, you know, I, I think, uh, you know, if I look at the times in my life where I had the most rapid awakenings, it's when I was in the most pain because I really was sure. inspired to say, okay, what? Hey, if I did this to myself, I got to make sure I don't do it again. So what did I do? Um, B, if I'm trying to get advice or education about what to do and I'm following it and it's not working, then I have to figure out other ways. I got to be creative. I've got to go, as I said in our podcast, find someone that's been through this and ask them, how did you overcome this? And so there's an awakening opportunity. And yep. you know, the first thing the hero does is he goes on his departure, but has to find a mentor to make it through the ordeal, right? So I think part of waking up is is listening carefully, whether it be to Ken Wilber or Eckhart Tolle or Deepak Chopra or you or me or you know, all of us and anybody else that really sets off your truth buzzer and makes yeah. you have that sense of 
there's some logic here. There's some rationale here. Um, if I apply as much of that as I can, my life is likely to be better. But I think the first step of waking up is awareness. So I think we really have to be aware of what it is that, that what is it that we need to wake up to? I'm just curious if you had to encapsulate with regard to the, what we're going through collectively right now, what is it that we need to be aware of to begin our process of waking up is what would you say it is? Well, I can talk about my own, my own journey because I've always subscribed to Hanlon's razor, which is do not ascribe malice to something that can be explained by ignorance or ineptitude. Right. <laughs> so that's a uh, philosopher Hanlon who came up with that, you know, guidepost. And so I was thinking, Ah, oh, look, people are just scared. You know, people are just overreacting. Everybody, nobody's confronted their own fear of death. And so this potential death, threat of death on from this virus is just making everybody go crazy. And yeah. everybody's doing their best. And that was really kind of the way I started believing um, what was happening. And it was still, I still think there's a lot of that that exists. <clears throat> but as I've gone deeper, I was waking up to actual what i perceived to be actual malice like intentional manipulation for personal gain and and that was a that was a waking up process like damn you know it seems like there's a political agenda behind this it mm -hmm. seems like there's a pharmaceutically driven corporate agenda behind this where there's a massive 50 billion 100 billion dollar vaccine payout at the end of this game mm -hmm. and they're willing to put the world through hell so they can collect this collect this paycheck and it and while I can't be 100% certain of that, I've become aware of the distinct possibility that there's malicious forces at play beyond just simple ignorance. Now, I think everybody all, always justifies and deludes themselves into believing that they're doing something for the greater good. It's a mm -hmm. trick of the human mind. However, you know, when you really look at it, I think there's intentional, intentional manipulation and intentional evil. Well, I don't know what great philosopher said this. But someone wise said, if it looks like a duck, walks like a duck, and quacks like a duck, it's probably a duck. Yeah. So, if it looks like we're being manipulated, and it looks like we're having people trying to force drugs and vaccinations onto us, and it looks like we're being told things that aren't even common sense from a health perspective, an immune perspective... And if we're getting information about viruses is very, very outdated and untrue, I'd say we got a duck in the room. And I think one of the things, so why, why was I resistant to waking up in that way? Well, yeah. I have, I don't, I don't necessarily want to be called to the front. It's not like I don't want to be called to the front lines in some part some part of me mm -hmm. does some part of me knows that that's what i've been that's what i was born for is yeah. a real call to service but mm -hmm. some part of me would like to say look this will blow over you know just mm -hmm. focus on your thing contribute mm -hmm. write your books you know run your fit for service program you know do your podcast it's all good what's more need front line than that though well there's <clears throat> that is exactly how i will stand on the front line is mm -hmm. through those things but to actually have to go into you know covid and manipulation and policy and then put myself out in the forefront where i have arrows from both sides because i'm always going to be on the middle ground mm -hmm. and really stand in that stronger way i think there there was an inherent resistance so i wanted so basically what i'm saying is i wanted to believe hanlon's razor i wanted to believe ah, it's all good you know people are just doing their best and 
But now as I uncover more malice, then it, it calls me forward to a greater degree. And there was yeah. there was an inherent resistance. And it, where I'm looking at it, I'm going, oh, no. Not only because of how bad it is for the world, but also because what my own hero nature is saying, which is, oh, no, I got to do more now. <laughs> you know, like I got yes. to come forward even yeah. stronger. I well, got to step up with more authority. Yeah, and it starts getting more uncomfortable, right? So this situation... As you were talking, I had a visual come to me. Imagine that you have a house and you sleep on the second floor in a loft and you can see down into your living room and your front door. And at four o'clock in the morning, someone walks in the door and you go, oh, hmm, (laughs) somebody's in the wrong house. You think, let's give them the benefit of the doubt. Maybe they'll figure it out in a minute. Then they walk over to your desk and they start folding up your computer and stuffing it in their bag and you go wow this guy really needs a computer maybe he maybe he's going to try to call uber with it the next thing you know you see him tapping the walls and they find your safe and he pulls out some electrical gadget and takes all the money out of the wall and you go wow maybe this guy's really broke (laughs) you know at some point you're going to have to say all right I'm being fucking robbed. (laughs) And I wonder what he's going to do when he sees me. In other words, maybe he's got a gun in his little bag too, and he's not afraid to use it. So we're all like, I think most of us don't want to engage the criminal, right? Right. We want to just say, okay, you know, this is just a bummer and this is going to clear up and it's going to get better. But, you know, in that analogy, where are we? I'd like to hear from both of you, Ryan, where are we? What's what's the what what's the guy got his hands on in your house right now? Well, when he's already got him on our nuts, we talked about that. Yeah, yeah. He, I mean, he, he's in the living room right now. He's fucking he's in, the in the living room. room. He's fucking with our kids. He's in the bedroom. Yeah, he's in the bedroom. He's in the living room. He's fucking with our kids. He's, he's in the safe. With our life. He's in a, he's in the safe for sure. Okay, so at what point do we say enough's a fuck enough, and it's time to be a spiritual warrior and say, look, we're gonna try to do this politely. You can either put everything you just took took back and leave, or we have to do it a different way. And, and the that, first thing I would do is bind a person like that. That's what Kung Fu was developed. It's a defensive art to protect loving people against unloving people. And so I, I would say, okay, I have to bind you. And the problem is, is we don't know who to call anymore because the cops aren't very wise either (laughs) and the only thing that can bind them is everybody holding hands together that's it and that's the only that's the only binding you know i love that that's what we all got to do we have to to circle the globe and hold hands there was i I forget who said the quote ryan you can maybe look it up but it, it was we shouldn't fear our governments our governments should fear us and that's what we got to get together yeah. And we don't necessarily need the governments to fear us. They need to respect, respect us, us, right? Uh-huh. Respect. And they won't respect anything unless they're afraid. afraid and they of won't respect that. anything unless it affects their bottom line. Exactly. Because we don't have a government anymore. We have a corporate headquarters. So it's all about a few people getting very rich. I'll give you a, 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 a true story about exactly how this shit goes down. Because what's happening right now is we're moving towards a crossbreed between communism and fascism. When I was lecturing in Russia, um, one of my best buddies is, was is, uh, Maxim. He uh, was uh, on the Russian Olympic team, and he I think he set a world record in the clean and jerk. And um, he invited me down to train with the Russian Olympic team. So he picked me up, and I got to go train with the Russian Olympic team. Now, these are the best weightlifters in the freaking world, right? Right up there with you know the best of the best. 
anyone that's watched the Olympics knows who the Russian Olympic athletes are. They're always badass. Okay, so I drive up to this place. I pull in. Now, on the outside, it looks quite nice. You know, it's like a, like a good state-sponsored building, clean and orderly. I walk inside, and the wooden floor's got big holes in it. You can't find two matching uh, weight plates. The bars are bent. The equipment's broken down. I'm like, what the fuck? This is where the best athletes in Russia train. They got like a collection of junk in their gym. And I want to have a shower because we're going to go from there to lunch. I go in, there's no shower heads. There's no toilet seats. And I'm like, this is unbelievable. There's no paper towels. There's no toilet paper. Wow. And I said to my buddy Maxim, I said, what in the fuck is going on? I said, is this your Olympic training center? He said, yes. Due to the communist regime, what happens is they allot several million dollars a year for athletic development, and each of the higher-ups takes what he wants out of it, and by the time it gets to the athletes and the coaches, there's nothing left. Sound familiar, right? It's called our tax dollars. By the time it gets to us, there's nothing left, and what are we hearing whispers of? Oh, we're going to put you on a monthly stipend and all this kind of shit. We're so... Uh, it's time for us to circle the globe, hold hands and say, look, this is, this is how we choose to live. And this is what we're willing to do to create it. And the truth of the matter is if enough of us get together, we don't need government approval. We don't need government handouts because we can support each other. And that's real government. One of the challenge, really challenging parts of this is that people are so myopically focused on what you know, it's it's just it's like a great illusionist. The media is keeping us focused on this one ball, and then just not talking about any of the other effects. That's exactly not my talking point. about the rise in drug use, not talking yeah. about the rise of solicitation, Sarah, su- uh, suicide, suicides, not talking domestic violence. Domestic violence is way up, exponentially yeah. up. Yeah. Solicitation of child sex acts online is like doubled I had during the during this covid like so many different factors then you look at like global hunger issues right like the famine that's being spread across the world and the estimates from like the world food program about how many people are going to be pushed to starvation because of the cessation of trade and the inability yep. to operate which is already a massive problem anyways a problem that we could fix with a fraction of our bailout dollars yes uh, just a fraction of that yeah. but nobody's looking at this holistic nuanced conversation everybody's like death count death count death count okay what about the millions of people dying of hunger that we could have saved with a fraction of this money the millions of people dying of unsanitary water children with their stomachs bloated because yes. we will not provide sanitation for the world that we could do with 12% of what we've spent just on bailing out for this COVID thing. But we're not looking at any of this from a holistic pr- perspective at all. You know, the other thing too is is not to belabor the sex and the hole in the wall, but they're not only asking us now, at least the Canadian government, to have sex through a hole in the wall. They're actually creating an environment where we're only seeing each other through a tiny hole, which is the lens of a camera. You know, think of your iPhone, it's like a window into the world, but it's not the actual world. Just like television, movies are not real, they're acting, right? Right. So we're actually being segregated to the point now where everything's happening through some kind of a hole, but only they can seem to be the ones that can manipulate the kaleidoscope. Mm-hmm. They're controlling the images. I think at some point we have to just... Uh, say okay who is 
who is it that we can really trust for medical advice, i.e., do we really need to wear a mask? And is this virus a legitimate threat or is this propaganda? And when we get some credible people that we can say, we trust our credible people more than we trust your credible people. Therefore, they are now our chiefs and they are our politicians. And we're going to listen to our credible leaders because they have a better track record of yours, not only as being good doctors, but not lying and manipulating and cheating and stealing from us. Then we have to hold hands and say, okay, no more living through a hole. Let's live. And like anything, you know, just like when Gandhi encouraged all of the people of India to be nonviolent and not to, even if you get beat up by the British military, don't fight back. And eventually they're going to realize they can't win this thing and it's going to make them look really bad if they beat people up that are not fighting, which is exactly what happened. And, you know, I've seen a lot of documentaries showing a lot of the uh, Indian people get the hell beat out of them with, you know, because the British uh, military and cops were, you know, taking over the public and fighting all this. But ultimately, nonviolence won. Mm -hmm. So I think part of our spiritual warrior path that we're all on is we have to be brave enough to to do our very best to do these types of transitions without violence and just by working collectively, you know, just like small fish swim in schools to create the illusion of a big fish, we have to uh, get aligned in our values and hold hands together and um, become a big enough fish that the big fish realizes that it's not going to be quite so easy to just keep people trapped in their bedrooms and, and, you know, imposing really unhealthy concepts on us. The, the next stage is cleanup. Um, what's, your, what's your sort of feeling of what we really need to clean up? So, you know, we've talked about a bunch of it, but if, under the heading cleanup, if you're running your group and you're teaching people to clean up to be fit for service, what, what is the cleanup element of it? I know the shadow would be for sure part of it. The diet must be part of it. Yeah, I mean, I think that's a it's a metaphor for a, a many aspects of being a human. But I think really the cleanup has to start with ourself. You know, we yeah. have to scrub our own our own psyche, our own spirit, our own body. Um, the fit for service program really is cleanup because mm. you know well, what is clogging the works? What yeah. is the muddiness? It's it's all of the stuff that we have inside. It's the trauma that we're carrying. It's the toxins that we have in our body. It's the you know mental programs and patterns, the need to do more for validation so that we love ourselves. Well, we got to clean that up so we love ourselves. So we don't need to go, you know, get that validation from another, you know, source outside of ourselves that we're actually sustainable as a unit of one you know, to be able to be like our own healthy ecosystem. And so I think really clean up for me is let's clean ourselves up. And then that's what's going to ultimately clean up this massive machine that's mm -hmm. a society is, is when we're cleaned up, then we'll be ready to hold everybody else's hand who's also in the process of cleaning up. Yeah. And again, it's not binary. We're not going to be perfectly clean. But part of the cleaning is the forgiveness for all of our dirty spots. Mm -hmm. Like that's the That's the key aspect is to say, oh, I... I understand this. I have this greed. You know, one of the great sayings is tatua masi, which is I am that too. So mm -hmm. anything we look out at the world, we say, oh, I am that too. Mm -hmm. So all of this oppression and all of this manipulation, if we look at our own language to ourselves 
and some of the things that we do to ourselves and in our relationships or maybe even to our children we'll find depression there mm-hmm. we'll find misleading we'll find you know having them look at one ball while we remove something else like hey why don't you go play outside and meanwhile we remove their nintendo from their from their room or whatever i who, I, who just that's, any example that's pretty good for a guy that doesn't have any kids <laughs> maybe the future is talking <laughs> <laughs> but that's the you know we'll find it we'll find in ourself everything that we see out there and if we can clean it up in ourselves, that's i think the most important place to start the cleaning mm-hmm. and i think uh, everything will start to clean up externally I, th- I think too part of the cleanup is being more balanced in our intake of information if you're only listening to people that are uh, in line with your belief system or your bias then you're not really cleaning up because you're not really growing your awareness right Mm -hmm. so i think part of the cleanup really is about like i said earlier let's get a worldwide panel of experts with a variety of opinions on any of the issues with covid or on government or on education or on banking and i think cleaning up is being brave enough to hear opinions that contradict your own but also being brave enough to actually listen and say what would it be like to actually you know, did you ever do debates when you were in school and you had to switch sides, right? So you really had to do your best to imbibe yourself into the role of the opposition after you'd been on the other side. Now, some people have a hard time doing that. I find it quite fun, but I think we really have to be able to, okay, as hard as it is for me to truly listen to someone like Bill Gates, I got to say, okay, what, what is it like to really see the world through his eyes? What is he really trying to do? What is the love in him projecting onto the world with the grandest of intentions? And then I have to say, okay, now how does Zach Bush use his love to project into the world what he thinks is very important? So there I just created sort of the two opposite ends of a dialectic. So I think if we actually look with honesty at what's on the playing field, and instead of being stuck in a bias or thinking about what's going to give me the uh, most amount of money or the least hassle... Say, what's going to be the best for all? And I think that that really is a step toward learning to use our minds effectively. And to use your mind effectively, you have to honor and respect other people's ideas and values. Or if you don't honor their ideas and values, you're not going to be interested in listening to someone. And if you don't listen to someone, they never feel heard. And if they don't feel heard, they just keep on talking and turning the volume up until they finally get heard. Most people will. Yeah. and we also have to be mindful of the just as we're mindful of the pollution we put in our body yes the amount of glyphosate that comes in on the vegetables right where a piece of lettuce may not be healthy at all if it's conventionally grown and it's actually doing way more harm than it is good we have to understand that a lot of the news that we're watching a lot of the social media that we're consuming if we're not actually curating who we follow and how we look it's pollution it's contrived it's propaganda it is and so we have to be mindful of the pollution we put in but also open-minded to not say oh this is pollution this is this is nonsense this is conspiracy this is blah 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 you know be aware of it and then be fair and Mm -hmm. be skeptical but cut out all of the nonsense because we're not immune to programming you know we're not immune to conditioning and do the work to follow up the resources like if, if they claim it's a scientific study well, who funded it and who was involved in it, right? I spent my life investigating these kinds of things because there was so much misinformation in, in the whole exercise and health arena and 
which I, you know, lived and functioned in for most of my life, that I said, well, I can't really believe a study like that until I investigate what the underlying principles were, how the study was designed, who funded it. Inevitably, you see the people that funded it are the ones making the um, biggest gains from people believing in that, you know. It's kind of like McDonald's (laughs) backing the Olympics. It's like, are you kidding me? (laughs) Come on. Growing up, we've talked about the rite of passage. I really feel that if you look at humanity as a being, and each human as a cell in that organism, does that make sense? Yep. That we're really right now in the late stages of puberty, and we're really having um, to decide if we're ready to accept adulthood. And so I think the growing up of it is really becoming an adult means, to me, an adult is someone who says what they mean and means what they say, right? If if, if I shake hands with you and say, okay, I'm going to meet you here at 11, and I don't hear back from you, I'll be here at 11, unless I call you and say I'm five minutes late. <laughs> Which is what an adult does. Right. They're not perfect, but they follow no, up but, with their best intentions. Right, because an adult usually is someone that has responsibilities that have ramifications if you don't fulfill those responsibilities. I, I have a, a responsibility to my family to feed them and, and cl- clothe them and support them and to my institute and to everybody. Um, but I think right now we've got to grow up and and... I think growing up really means preparing yourself for the necessary sacrifices that are going to have to happen so that we can make this transition collectively. And it might mean not using Google as a search engine so that we're not exposing ourselves to or supporting that manipulation. I know mm-hmm. many people I know have stopped using Facebook because of all the uh, crap going on with Facebook. So some of these things may not be so big, but they may actually make things that so that they're not you don't get quite as much instant gratification. Or you, right. for example, recycling that takes a little bit of effort, right? Mm-hmm. I compost, so I put all my compost in a compost barrel. I rotate it, I mature it, and then we spread it on the plants. Now that takes time, quite regularly, to go out and compost stuff, mix it, put it in the garden. And I could easily just say to myself, I don't have time for this shit and throw stuff in the trash. So I think part of growing up is is getting clear on not only what you what we all need to think about sacrificing, but what we're willing to sacrifice. And as we get comfortable with that, then maybe we can add a little bit more and a little bit more. Yeah. Yeah, I think that is the biggest part of adulthood. It's it's accepting that you are part of a tribe, a global tribe and your individual tribe. And that's I mean, I think when you're a kid, you don't have those responsibilities. Like a kid is always shrugging responsibilities. Right. right? And nobody places responsibility. Just be a kid. Yeah. You know, be a fucking kid. You know, play, explore, do whatever. And but when you're an adult, then you then you assume the mantle of responsibility. And that's mm-hmm. the place that we're in now where it's time to assume the mantle of responsibility, responsibility for our own health, responsibility for the leaders we have, responsibility for the corporations that we're paying, responsibility for the environment that we're either supporting or destroying. It's about just saying, it is my fault, all of it. I will take I will take my share of the blame. I will not push this off on somebody else. Mm-hmm. There is more work I can do. Yeah. And, uh, and, I will, and I'll do that work and I'll continue doing that work for as, you know, as long as I live. So the final stop on the tour for our our, uh, ceremony today is showing up. And I I 
I think showing up is is fairly clear in the words, you know, show up and be congruent with yourself. Show up and accept the responsibilities that rightfully are or should be yours. You know, if, if people wait around to, to be told what to do, that's not adult. But recognizing, okay, there's something that I can do with my genius to contribute here, yeah. right? I think, I think, you know, that showing up is really just um, being conscious that if everybody in the world was to emulate what you're doing right now, it would be make, it would make the world a better place. I think that is really showing up. Yeah. And it's, uh, <clears throat> it's really stepping forward. And, and, you know, I think so many of us, um, and as I said, you know, there's certain aspects that I've, I've kind of sheltered my innermost thoughts just cause I wasn't, I didn't have the courage to enter the fray and mm. say exactly what I thought, or maybe I didn't have the time or initiative to do the research that was necessary to really back what my hunch was about what was going on. But I think all of us are being asked to step forward. And mm -hmm. if that means we take the arrows of slights and unfollows and, you know, slanders and, and all the way to being canceled, you know, for, for our opinions, whatever the, whatever the consequence yeah. comes, if we believe in it enough, we step forward and we say, here I am. And I'm willing to take whatever consequences come from my truth. Mm -hmm. And that's my commitment to, you know, and that's my love. That's my genius. That's my, that's how I'm showing up for the world is, uh, is the willingness to have the tomatoes and the rocks and the arrows slung at me. Yeah. I, I you know, I'm personally used to it, but, um, I think that there's so many opportunities for each of us to wake up clean up, grow up, and show up even just without the issues of the world right now, right? It's just because we've become too pacified. We've become too entertained. We've become too drugged. Uh, we've become too restless and anxious and nervous. Um, we've gotten so far from what nature intended us to be in my observation, if that makes sense. Yeah. I mean, if you look at the book, The Human Zoo by Desmond Morris, he does extensive research on what happens to animals when taken out of captivity and put into zoos. And he takes that information and he correlates it with the kinds of problems that people have when they live in cities. And he shows that almost identical things happen to people living in cities in close quarters with too many people that happens to animals when they're put into the zoo. So I think... Part of what we need to do is really just work on what is it that I need to do to live and love more fully so that I actually feel centered inside of myself enough to trust my own evaluation of my relationships in the world as opposed to being sort of caught in a hall of mirrors, as you recently mm -hmm. said, where my biases are just being mirrored back to me and, and everything seems to confirm my bias. And, and I think that's, that's also something that's not easy for people to do because most of those biases have been put into them before they were conscious that they were being put in there. In other words, they recapitulate the bias of the parents and the bias of the family and the bias of the religion that's involved. So it, it, I think it's something uh, like fit for service is really a good vehicle because 
if you're with other people that are also doing it, it's kind of like a lot of people like to work out with other people because it inspires them. Not that many people are lone rangers. I happen to be a lone ranger that way. But I think that um, I love the fact that you want your model to be copied and used so that we have this sort of um, self-inspired awakening, self-inspired rising, self-inspired um, impetus to go explore outside of just the limitations of the cages that a lot of people have uh, allowed to be built around them. Yeah. Yeah. This is, uh, <clears throat> and then this is another thing that we talked about with excitement in our voices that this is the best time to be alive. It is. This is the best time because we want to be heroes. You know, we want to, we're, we're built to be warriors, spiritual warriors. We're built to be heroes, even mm-hmm. in our passive nonviolent standing for what we believe in. This is, we're at the precipice of a revolution and it's, mm-hmm. it's not one that is like you said, like a world war. That's a different type of stand and that will call forward the hero, but man, we're not getting gassed in the trenches and, yeah. and we don't have the horrors of the Vietnam war and all of these different things that people had to go through. Yeah. We have a, an opportunity to come together for collective awakening, sharing love the whole way through and mm-hmm. standing in resistance as we want. I had a b- beautiful example. I talked to somebody a week ago, my friend, new friend named Everett, and he was saying, yeah, I just got back from this festival. It was amazing. I was like, festival? What the fuck are you talking about? Who's, who's allowing a festival? He's like, check it out. We registered it as a peaceful protest. Mm. And so we were able to gather in as many numbers as we wanted. We had music because they have music at the protest. Yeah. We had music. We had speakers. And we just had our festival. No masks. No anything. I love it. We registered it as a peaceful protest. Let's and do in, it. And in effect, it was a peaceful protest. Yeah. It was protesting the authoritarianism of this policy and saying human connection is more important than this scramble and this manipulated fear of death. Like we're standing for life. I think and that was a protest. And so that's starting to develop. And we're using the system in the way that it can. Well, okay, there's a peaceful protest allowance, you know, and that's been very politicized as well, but that's part of the structure we have. So let's use the structure in every way we can and make the stand that that makes the most sense to our hearts. Yes. Love it. Where can people find out more about fit for service and anything else you'd like yeah, to share? AubreyMarcus.com slash fit for service. Again, there's, you know, I know a lot of people are going to be excited and I wish I could let everybody in, but it's, you know, uh, it is fairly full, but there are applications that we're taking and reviewing the applications. We'll absolutely get back to you and, and let you know. So mm-hmm. AubreyMarcus.com fit for service and my podcast, of course, Aubrey Marcus podcast. Yes. Are there any, uh, places where there's sharing on website or something so that even if people don't get in they want to pick up the vibe and maybe get inspired to start their own group or or reach out as friends to people in the group so one thing that we're developing now for exactly that need and i haven't talked about this yet is we're developing an app that's available on google android and iphone it's going to be the fit for service academy that has no cap and it's just going to be a, a monthly and all of us coaches, all the members are going to get together, discussion groups, news feeds, mm-hmm. uh, opportunities to learn courses. And uh, and we're going to be launching that hopefully in December. So that will create kind of a global digital community and then have the select Dunbar's number, you know, qualified 150. And then uh, so hopefully people can feel a part of this movement in the grander scale through that uh, through that digital app. What's the estimated time of arrival for that? 
December is our goal. Oh, that's pretty good. Yeah, I just had a meeting with the with the team, and I said we got to get this launched in December. Mm. So, um, yeah, hopefully it'll be out then. What a great way to be- begin twenty twenty one. That's right. That's right. Twenty twenty one is going to be a good year, everybody. Yeah. Well, you know, I think it's. Um, I think that. I think twenty twenty one. My intuitive sense is. It's when we've now had enough exposure to both sides of, of the equation, both sides of the argument. People have had enough being locked down, enough having their sex life uh, screwed up, enough people <laughs> walk into their living room and steal shit that we finally collectively say, okay, let's do something about this. And, you know, two zero, two one equals five. So numerologically, fives are always tipping points. You're halfway between the beginning and the end of a cycle or an octave. And so there's usually a fair bit of chaos. So I have a feeling that 2021 is there's going to be this sort of the chaos of transition of, of, of people finally, you know, getting out there and beginning the hero's journey uh, and finding that. that path through the jungle. I think this winter, I would be prepared to buckle up for this winter. You know, I think this winter is going to be a challenge with whatever happens with the election, whatever happens with, you know, a lot of people coming down with flu symptoms in the winter as they always do. And, <laughs> and being then, labeled COVID. Uh, yeah. And then all the things that are going to happen and, yeah. and the reaction that the government, the opportunity for them to exert more control because yes. the numbers are going to go up and people's immune systems are going to be depressed because they're not getting as much sun and all the things yeah. that happen in the winter anyways. I think we're going to have a, a bit of a rocky winter, I would say, but yeah. I think we're going to come out of that spring and it's going to be a, it's going to be a, a new looking world, um, you know, come spring. And I would say if everything you just said is true, then we also need to be conscious not to react violently and to use the capacity for peaceful protest. Because if we start having peaceful protests where we can have dance, music, relationship, sharing, connection, uh, all the things that make being human fun and use those as opportunities to share ideas and get inspired by others with great ideas that we can actually use a legal mandate, a a nonviolent protest as Mm -hmm. a means of connecting. And I think if we create tribe through that, it's going to be far better because as you know when people start reaching critical levels of stress people get shot overdoses violence and i think um we want to avoid becoming the kind of people that we're trying to help heal absolutely and you know and one of the great practices that and we talked about it on the last podcast i did with you is the is the darkness retreat you know where and and it's there's not a lot of options to to get that now and i'm hoping you know as as uh, my journey progresses to be able to actually seed fund and, and create some different darkness retreats here in the U S but we can do that, you know, with a little bit of handyman work, we can turn our room into a dark room. Like it's okay to go into the womb, you know, if things are like go into the womb, go inside yourself, you know, mm-hmm. find that place of, you know, where we crawl into our own proverbial cave that we create and commune with our soul and emerge and you know the world will still be standing it's not at that it's not at that level you know i think all the people who are scrambling to buy every bit of ammunition possible yeah that's a little over over it's it's not going to get to that level at all you know and i think really just the the most important thing is is the is the internal work like let's take this opportunity no matter how gnarly it gets in the winter let's do the internal work and uh and then you know show up 
And, you know, speaking of the womb and the concept of the sweat lodge and detoxification, cleaning up, most of us have a bathtub and a, a good hot bath and some Epsom salts and maybe some prayers that work for you and, and a time to just really be with yourself and with the um, energy and the spirit of the water as a cleanse and just, you know, sort of like reset. Like when our computers start getting weird, we, we reboot them. I think if we sit in a hot bath and let ourselves sweat and experience the discomfort of some good solid heat, but also take that time to sweat it out and, and really have time with ourselves there's a great way to enter the womb, but kind of go through a miniature rebirthing process and say, okay, now that I'm clear about what doesn't serve me anymore and what I can do in the world, I'm going to emerge from this bath as a initiate of a new order and go out and be that person. I fill myself with love. Uh, I give it all away. Yes. You started singing that in the sauna that day, and I still have that in mind, and uh, and that's one of the prayers that I always offer when I'm in the lodge yes. as I get people singing that. Yeah. I am happy, I am healthy, I am whole. <laughs> I take my love wherever I go because I'm happy and I'm healthy <laughs> and, and I'm whole. whole. I take my love wherever i go hey what a great pleasure bud yeah man always thank you thank hope you, you guys enjoyed it our goal is not to incite violence nor is it to get you to break the law but we are encouraging you to do a healthy protest show up and hug each other and kiss each other and you don't need to have sex through a hole in the wall <laughs> there can be a tent for that at your process <laughs> and uh Hope you enjoyed the podcast. Thank you to my sponsors for all your love and support. Thank you to all of you who buy things through the podcast using your discount codes because that provides the support I need to keep finding the most amazing minds I can like Aubrey and finding my way to their doorsteps and them to mine. So lots of love. Thanks for sharing. If you love the podcast, remember, share it with everyone. If you don't, it's our secret. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, everybody. Peace. Bye-bye. Thank you for listening to Living 4D with Paul Check and today's guest, Aubrey Marcus. Applications are currently being accepted for the 2021 Fit for Service Fellowship online at aubreymarcus.com. The Fit for Service Fellowship was started as a mastermind to help train individuals to become more fit to serve the world. It has evolved into much more. It is for those of you who are not content with playing small and for those of you that are eager to take back your sovereign power, your birthright as a human being. If this sounds like you, visit Aubrey's website for more details, aubreymarcus.com. You can also follow Aubrey on Instagram or Twitter at Aubrey Marcus or listen to Aubrey's own podcast, The Aubrey Marcus Podcast, available on all good podcast channels. Follow Paul on Instagram and Twitter at Living4D Podcast or on his YouTube podcast channel, youtube.com forward slash Living4D with Paul Check. You can watch more on Paul's blog at paulchecksblog.com and the Czech Institute's new streaming media site, chakiva.com. <laughs> <laughs>